my sole goal at the start of every year is to get a bigger tax bill this year than last year. And the reason I like massive tax bills is because ultimately the goal of the business is to generate profit or cash, right? It's actually to generate cash that makes its way into my hands. So the mindset, right, of a very successful business owner is as much tax as is possible. This is the Paul Goff Audio Experience. Whether you call yourself a PT, a physical therapist, or a physiotherapist, and wherever you're listening to this right now, this is for you. It is me revealing everything I can to help make you a more successful business owner. Thanks for listening. It means the absolute world to me. Obviously, it's tax season, right, for you guys and us here in the US. Um, f- uh, in fact, it's uh, very pivotal in the UK as well. It's a new financial uh, year, I believe. So it's the start of a new uh, financial year in the United Kingdom. Um, it's tax season. And the conversation about tax has been um, an interesting one. The traditional view of tax is that you want to pay as least as is possible. And I think people take that literally, that um, they need to and will do anything to reduce tax. There's a difference between reducing your tax bill um, sensibly and in a manner that's going to serve you and in a manner that is just scatterbrained and just buying stuff just because you're trying to save 30 cents on a, on a, on a dollar, basically just for the sake of it, which isn't necessarily cool. However, this was a true story, um, and I wrote about this in an email recently, and the title of the email was The Joy of a Massive Tax Bill. My sole goal at the start of every year is to get a bigger tax bill this year than last year. And the reason I like massive tax bills is because ultimately the goal of the business is to generate profit or cash, right? It's actually to generate cash that makes its way into my hands. Now, I can generate profit as a business owner, and I can go to my accountant on the 20th of December and say, look, I, I, I might be on the hook here for 200 grand's worth of profit. And in which case, depending upon if you live in Florida, you might pay 20% or 20 or whatever, right? If you live in California, you'll pay 78%. And if you pay, if you, you know, if you, if you live, if you live in New York, you might pay 72%, right? On, on that type of money. And if you live in Boston, you're probably going to pay like 73% on, on, on that, right? And rising. But if you choose to live in one of these like states where they, they're quite like, like you're having a bit of your old money joking, right? But you get the point, right? Whatever it is that you, um, whatever it is you make, what we don't want to do is go, well, I've made $200,000 in profit. And then the finance, but your, your accountant, your accountant or your CPA basically turns around and says, okay, that's a lot of tax. You're on the hook for 60 grand next year. Let's get that tax bill down. And then a procession of um, purchases get uh, put into play just to reduce the tax bill. Go buy a car is usually the, you know, the, the, the big one. Put the car on finance and uh, maybe he's invest in some machinery and do all of these things. Then all of that's fine if it's legitimately what you want. But I suspect what happens a lot is people look to limit their tax bill as much as possible um, and end up buying things and getting things that they didn't necessarily need or want, but they've done it in order to reduce the tax bill. So the mindset right, of a very successful business owner is as much tax as is possible. Now, legally, you want to try and exploit any possible loophole. Absolutely, do you? Till, like, if that's there, you, you fucking go and exploit it and go find it. That's the reason it exists. If there's any possible way you can reduce it, right, with whatever, your interest payments on your mortgages and various things that you're allowed to, to kind of have that legitimately reduce the tax bill, but don't necessarily swallow the cash, that's different. That is very, very different than buying things just to reduce the tax bill. The person that I was speaking to um, at the table in my house 
when I um, wrote the first email on this and it got quite a lot of feedback because there's so much confusion on it. Um, he said to me, um, it's tax, you know, it's tax season. I'm going to be busy for the next week. I, I, I won't be around much this week. And I was like, all right. He said, yeah, I've got my taxes to do. He said, um, I, I like to just, just show a profit, not too much, um, you know, because nobody likes a big tax bill, do they? I said, what do you mean? He said, yeah, you know, nobody likes to get, no, nobody likes paying taxes. And I said, well, excuse me, I do. I said, I absolutely love paying tax. It's the joy. It's a joy. It's a privilege to write a big fucking tax bill, basically. The, um, the way that he explained it to me was that if I have too big of a tax bill, I'm more likely to be investigated by the IRS, right? This was literally what was coming out of his mouth. And he was saying that I would be a, a, on the radar or any business that makes a lot of profit is on the radar of the IRS. I was like, really? You, you think the IRS are looking at somebody that's paying a shitload of tax and go, let's go and see if we can get a bit more, right? And, and squeeze it. Or looking at somebody who never pays any and go, this looks a bit dodgy to me. This company's been in business for 17 years and hasn't made a profit. I'm like, what planet are we living on when this is the type of fucking conversation that I'm having? Why would they, right? The IRS have got limited, or, or HMRC in the United Kingdom, same in Australia and Canada. They've got such finite resources. By all accounts, people are walking out of the IRS left, right, and center. It's going to take them years to catch up. They cannot replace the people. Who the hell wants to go and work there with, the, with systems that are 20 years out of date? You have to probably be in the office to do it. They're not going to get staff, right? They've got a small amount of people that they can go after, and it's going to be the ones that are looking at and going, hang on, this company's been in business for however long, and they always seem to drain their tax right at the last minute to reduce any payments that they need to pay. I think that company is more of a red flag than the one that just continues to pay a fair and reasonable amount of money based upon what their, you know, their, their, their business is trading at. But anyway, that's just my hypothetical opinion. doesn't really mean anything. But the one that does, and absolutely is a fact, is that the, um, the bigger your tax bill, the better. Why, like I said, why, why would you want to drain the profit, the cash that's available to you? And it is always to reduce the tax bill. Now, it always gets me thinking about this, and I always go back to basics. The point of being in business is to get wealthy. And the point, or the first, the first thing in business is to pay yourself a fair market salary. And anything over and above the fair market salary is the bit that you get wealthy on. So what that means is if I build a business for a million dollars, I'm going to pay myself $90,000 because I need to live off that. I've got a mortgage to pay. I've got rent to pay. I've got car to pay. I've got kids to fund. I've got college fees, whatever, right? And I need 100,000 to do that, 90 to 100,000. That's probably a fair market salary for what most people on here are doing. But what I want to do is generate a business that makes 15% profit after I paid myself that fair market salary. So now I'm left with another 150, right? Even if it's 10%. So now I'm left with another 10. And the point of that extra 10% is the bit that will be taxed. The point of that is to get rich or get wealthy. And I can invest it. I can invest it in property. I can invest it in stocks, crypto, whatever it is that you're doing. Or I can reinvest it into the business or, or another business. And in doing so, I'm building up my wealth rather than just focusing on income. And that's the difference. When you're thinking about your business, it's what's the fair market salary. The idea is that you're supposed to live off day-to-day -day within reason your fair market salary. Whatever that needs to look like, that's where we've got to try and get the business to. 80 grand, 85 grand. Different if you're in the UK, it could be 40 grand, 35 grand, 45 grand, right? They're all relative. And that wouldn't be too far off in the United Kingdom that you could live off. I lived off 35,000 pounds for five years while I was reinvesting everything into the business. But in the US, I'd probably have to live off more as a business owner than the, than the 35 grand amount, right? But as the business owner, the, the, the litmus test is always if the IRS did come calling 
and they asked you to say what you did, you know, if you were an S corp or a C corp, you'd have to be on payroll and you couldn't pay yourself 35 grand because they'd know you're just dodging tax. You're just trying to avoid federal taxes, right? So even if you're in a, a, an LLC, you don't necessarily have to put yourself on payroll. You just have to be aware of what it would be like and what the number needs to be to give you a chance to, to, to start to get the optics for running the business at the level that you want to eventually be able to get rich. Because if we want to replace you, it's much easier if you've already allocated an $85,000 salary to replace you, and then you can go live off the dividends. The point of the business, first and foremost, must be able to pay its taxes, must be able to pay down its debt, and must be able to pay the business owner fair market salary. After that, the business owner gets wealthy when there's 10% left that gets reinvested elsewhere. Stocks, property, other cash or income producing asset classes that generate money for you while you build your business and collect your fair market salary. Over two, three, four years, any of you who are in property will know this, over two or three, four years, the compound effect of a living a life like that, insane, how that starts to play out. But I think where it gets lost is there isn't really any full clarity on what the business is capable of doing because it's all distorted. The equity or the dividends are being drawn to pay mortgages, to pay school fees, to do holidays, to pay last year's taxes. Right now you're in a bind. So this whole thing is spiraling out of control if we're not careful. When you get clear on what your fair market salary is and what the reasonable expectation is of the profit margin of the business, it's that profit margin, that dividend, that draw, which is different from your salary. The phrase that I would encourage you to think through is the salary is for what you do. Write this down. The salary is for what you do. The dividend or the draw is for what you own, O-W-N, own. Really simple way of thinking about your business. You get paid a fair market salary for what you do. But you get a dividend for what you own. You own the entity. You own the customer list. You own the reputation of the business. You own the machine that you've built. And it's the machine that you want to pay attention to. How much profit is that machine building or, or spitting out for you? Because that gives you an idea of where we need to look, what parts in the machine are broken. And I'm going to come on to that next quite nicely. The, the most basic fundamental level is how do we get to the point of always every month being able to allocate taxes? This is the stuff we're talking about in CFO with some clients. How do we get to the point of allocating taxes? How do we get to the point of paying down some of this debt? How do we get you to the point of a true and fair market salary um, paid to the, to the business owner? And how do we get to the point where taxes and the biggest tax bill you can possibly get becomes your number one goal? It's the, it's the ultimate metric of the of a business. If you swing into a tax bracket that's 40% one year, and then for the next three into 5%, fine, you've probably saved some taxes, but I would also wager you're probably not getting wealthy. Like there's not that many legal activities that you can reduce your tax bill with that spits cash for you at the same time in your hand. Yeah, you can go buy other things and that's fine if you're reinvesting into the business and your plan is to sell the business in 10 or 15 years. Fantastic strategy. But individually and personally, there's not that much cash being felt to you. So if you're swinging from 40% tax brackets to 5% for two or three years, that's usually a good sign that there's not that much money coming to you. Be very careful of that. You want a pretty consistent 
tax bracket. If anything, we just want to see it go up and up and up. And then the conversation is, what are you doing with the extra cash that you didn't need to live off? And where is that money going? Because that's how you'll get really, really wealthy. Difference between income and wealth. Pay attention to both in the, um, in the business. So they're the absolute basics that you've got to, um, you know, you've got to try and think through and resist temptation just to buy something. I remember my dad used to do this. I remember now it, you know, it all makes sense. My mom used to get a new car every two or three years. And I, I honestly remember the conversations, even in my early 20s of my dad. Oh, my mom, I, I said, my mom, why did my dad buy you a car? Right. And I used to think, dad really must love mom. Right. You know, as much as they fight all the time, dad really must love mom. Right. He buys her a new car every two or three years. Right. It's like they must have made up. Right. They must have made up. And dad's bought mom a brand new car. Right. And then, like, a few months later, I'd find out, oh, no, no, son, dad didn't buy me the car because he loved me. There wasn't any roses on the front seat, put it that way, when I took delivery of it. Dad took it because he had a big tax bill, and his accountant told him that if he bought this type of car specifically, he would save more money on tax. Ah, that old chestnut, right? And at first, I'm like, this does, I'm only in my 20s at this point, but I'm going, this doesn't make sense to me. Like, this does not make sense to me to buy shit, right, with money that you've worked your nuts off for 12 months to make to then go and buy it on a chunk of fucking metal just to reduce a tax bill, right? Fine, if you need the chunk of metal and, and like you do one, go get one. That's a conscious decision. But not just because it's trying to reduce a tax bill. And sadly, that's how a lot of businesses are being run. Why do they do it? Well, accountants need, <laughs> accountants need a way to justify their fees. And if they save you a little bit of tax, <laughs> it's fucking mad this world. It's absolutely mad. Because just before he goes, you owe me five grand for this advice, but I've saved you 10 on tax. You go, this is wonderful. I'm five up here, right? Literally, people all over the world are going, this is great. I've just given my accountant five grand, right? He thinks, whoo, I got away with that one for another year because I saved him nine grand. But really, I, I wasn't trying to save tax. I'm trying to get rich, like wealthy, where I don't have to go to work every day and I've got income coming in off assets that has been produced by the cash that I was able to take out of the business. I, I, again, right? I don't know if somebody's going to correct me and go, but, 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 and I get it, and I get it tactically in the nuance level. There's all sorts of loops being opened there. But at the principal level, like we're all trying to get to a point where we build a business that spits out cash, that we invest into property, put in stocks, put in crypto, put in whatever it is you're doing, put into another business, be an angel investor, help your family start a business or whatever, right? And try and get some cash off it. Just buy a house every couple of years, right? Doesn't sound a lot buy a house every two years, right? You might need, a, depending upon where you live, a 40 or 50 grand deposit. Fine. With a business, you should be able to spit out 25 grand a year so that every two years you can buy a house. Rent the thing out. Two years later, do it again, do it again, do it again. 15, 16 years later, oh my God, what a fucking engine that is, by the way, of cash that you're spitting out. Equity that's, or, or debt that's being paid down and equity that's being built. You're now, by definition, getting wealthy. You've got a fantastic personal balance sheet, but most importantly, you've got free-flowing cash coming towards you. Now, all of a sudden, this physio business, you're like, yeah, all right. It don't really stress me anymore. It doesn't really have to be this thing that I worry over. Now, I've just said all of that in 30 seconds, right? And it sounds so easy, but that's not far off what happened to me. That's not far off. Whenever I tell anyone in my story of how I got to where are we at now? Properties, Nick, 70, 60, 60 odd, 70 properties, whatever it is, right? I think about that number and I'm like, holy shit, that's a significant chunk of property. But then I tell the story that when I was 28, I bought my first one. And then six months later, I bought another and a year later, I bought another. And, and 
And all it was was the profit of the business went into a basic house. I had no aspirations to build a big property portfolio. It just made sense to me that if I put some money there, I could pay down some debt, I'd build equity. Hopefully, with a bit of luck, I'd get some appreciation. But most importantly, I'd get some cash flow. And if I did it every couple of years, I'd get more cash flow, and that cash flow eventually buys its own house. That, that's all I did. But the core focus was on an operating business. And I think that's the mindset I'm trying to bring. I, I have to fight tooth and nail when people start talking to me about property investments and various things, not to get distracted with the idea of the property is where you get rich. No, no, no. You only bought the property because the operating business paid for it. And that's the magic of staying true to the operating business and treating that like the fountain of youth because it is. Because the operating business is what puts you in the position to have the cash in the first place. So you don't have to do none of this stupid no money down and fucking refinance and shit and getting into all of these crazy schemes where everyone's fucking chunking off each other. And I'm sure people get rich that way. But it does sound very fucking frightening to me to get involved in all of that type of stuff. And that's obviously how people got screwed over in 2008, 2009. So I just think, put your operating business fast, commit to being a business owner fast, spit out profit, real profit after a fair market salary, and have a very uh, simple strategy about where the money goes. And, and when it comes to investing, my humble advice, the simpler the better. First rule, can I get my money back? That's it. If I can get my money back, I'm, I'm listening. And then can I get a bit of an upside? If I can, I'm very, very happy. I'm not risking the farm. I don't need to. I plan on being a business owner for a long, long time. The investment stuff is just a safe place to put the cash if I ever have a mental breakdown. That's it. If I ever lose the plot, as I often say, if I feel like a, a year sabbatical in India and go and sing, whatever, you know, kind of head over there and do whatever, right? Fine. That might happen. It might not. But I'm not really planning on any of the stuff that goes into the investment stuff ever being even needed, right? And that isn't to come across as arrogant. It's just because the principal focus is on what I did in the first place to get those houses, which is the operating business. And if you pay attention to the operating business and you make that the focal point and you just get very simple um, advice and, and a simple strategy of where you're going to put your money after it, you'll wake up in 10 years' time and you'll be a very rich individual very very rich but it starts with and back to the point of the conversation a massive fucking tax bill because you want the cash in your hands you get the cash in your hands you personally can get rich there's a lot of wealthy people i know but all of their money's in businesses and and they can't get it out they've got and the pain of getting out because of the tax situation and everything else is killing them or the moving to, to florida or texas or somewhere to, to reduce their tax liabilities whatever it is right but I just think that's a very simple way to think about tax as you approach tax season. Bigger, broader point, build your business in such a way that it spits out free-flowing cash. The dividend is what you reinvest into property or stocks or crypto, whatever is your, your, your vice, mine's property, um, and, and set up a plan that is consistent and something that is, a, is realistically sustainable for 10 years, five years. You know, don't, don't look to buy three this year. Just look to buy one every other year for the next five years and, and watch what happens. Watch what happens. You'll be in a fantastic, um, you know, position to 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 make, uh, you know, to make good decisions if, if you think like that. So, um, Dave says. So the um, the premise with real estate is that you buy the property with a down payment using the profit from the primary business, get a mortgage and rent. Absolutely, that's it. One on one, that's it. It's not. It's no more complicated than that. 
Start very, very simply, right? There's all sorts of things you can get involved in later on. And there's all sorts of people who promise to invest your money. And, you know, that's, by the way, any of you follow Grant Cardone, that's all, he's involved in all sorts of complicated shit behind the scenes. And he's just basically going, I know that you know this is too complicated. Just give me your money and I'll do it for you. But I don't think you need to go there and do that type of thing. I just think it's a very simple, pick a little area, find a, a, a desirable place that people want to live or just an area that's always going to be rented out that no matter what happens, people are always going to want to live there, raise their kids there, send their kids to school, make 25 or 30 grand, 40 grand next year off your business. Sounds easy, but it's very doable. Over and above your fair market salary, go see your mortgage broker and look to put that type of thing into a, into a, a down payment on a house. And that's, that's it. Start and do it again in two years and then two years and two years after that. There's plenty of people in this group now doing that. There's a few people doing it with Airbnbs where it starts with one and all of a sudden it's three. That's with three and then you're at five and you're like, oh shit, I've got a little probably Airbnb empire going on here. Nice. That also means simultaneously you can go and stay there whenever you want. That sounds nice to me. doesn't sound too aggressive. It doesn't sound as though I'm risking the farm. Uh, it doesn't sound like there's anything that, that is going to distract me from running the business. One day it might be big enough that it has to distract you from running the business, but that would be a lovely position. To be. Thank you for listening to Paul Goff's audio experience. If you're brand new to Paul's world, head on over to paulsmarketingbook.com where you can get started with his number one best-selling marketing book for physical therapists. Or if you've been listening to the show for a while, you like what you hear and you think that you can benefit from this type of help to accelerate the growth and profitability of your practice, reach out to Paul's team at paul at paulgoff.com and tell us exactly what you're looking for. And by the way, if you know someone who would benefit from today's show, please share it with them. And if you've got any questions that you want answered, tweet Paul at the Paul Goff using the hashtag AskPG. You can also find all of these details over in today's show notes. All right, until next time, have a wonderful day.